Hello, and welcome to You Philosopher. Today, I'd like to continue our conversation about Star Wars, but in a totally different direction. The last time we talked, we were talking a little bit about um, some of the implications politically of Star Wars, which has been something that's been going on on Twitter. Another something that's been going on regarding the new Star Wars film on Twitter has actually been a totally different issue, which has been an issue about the fact that they, and so spoilers ahead, by the way, uh, the fact that they include in the film Grand Moff Tarkin. So for those of you who know the original Star Wars film, Episode 4, A New Hope, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin plays a very important role as a, as, a, as a main antagonist in the film. What is perhaps most surprising about the fact that Grand Moff Tarkin plays a really important role in Rogue One as well is the fact that the actor who plays Grand Moff Tarkin is dead. And he's been dead for a while. And so there might be a bit of confusion there. How is this the case? And in fact, I was watching the film with someone and at the end of the film, we were talking about um, some of the different characters and what they enjoyed about it. And they didn't, they're not really a Star Wars person. They just happened to go to kind of pacify me. And uh, we were talking about that particular character and they were surprised that they hadn't seen the actor in more stuff as of late. And I had to point out the fact, well, Peter Cushing, who plays Grand Moff Tarkin, has been dead for a while. So that's probably why you haven't seen him play in anything. Now, as we engage in this conversation, probably those of you who are big Star Wars fans or those of you who um, are kind of critical of the digital technology involved in bringing Peter Cushing kind of back to life here might say, well, wait. Nick, you're front-loading this with the assumption that people can't tell. Because what I want to have a conversation about isn't so much this thing that's going on with Twitter where people complaining about the fact that they, that they did something that people can tell. Um, so first off, I'm going to say you can tell. Um, some people might be depending on the lighting in the theater or how well they know uh, the original film or whatever else, they might be a little bit more confused and may not realize it. But you can tell that um, Tarkin and in fact, um, another character in the film, and I won't get too much of a spoiler for that, um, are somehow digitally changed or there's something CGI going on here. So that being said, they do a pretty good job. And I don't want to minimize that either. I think anyone who's watching, and, and you don't have to watch too, too carefully, but anyone who's watching is aware of the fact that something's off. But that, I think, is largely the extent of it. You're going, hmm, something is not quite off. And those of us who know that Peter Cushing is dead go, oh, well, what's off is the fact that they've literally recreated Peter Cushing for this. And people who aren't as aware might wonder kind of what's going on or if it's supposed to be some sort of alien thing or something along those lines. But either which way, it's not quite exact. And that can, for people who are engaging in criticism of the film, that can throw someone off. Maybe it takes you kind of out of out of the film for a moment or out of, out of the plot or you feel like it detracts or something. Or you really like the fact that the new films most recently haven't gone 
the way that George Lucas's um, episodes one, two, and three had a lot more CGI than the original. And maybe you have some level of concern that we're returning to this CGI mindset. And I'm gonna leave all that aside as well and just kind of allow myself to be excited about it because this is something I've wanted to be excited about for a while. And that's not, um, that's not Tarkin coming back. Um, that's the idea of any actors coming back. And that I think is where the really interesting question that so far has been under discussed is, which is simply the fact that should we be bringing dead actors back to life? Now, Tarkin's not the first case that this has happened. Usually when something like this happens, it's because the actor dies during filming, as in the case with um, the last Fast and the Furious film, which if I recall correctly, they brought um, uh, the actor who died, they brought his brother on to the set uh, to because some of the mannerisms are similar enough that it helped when they, when they did their kind of CGI magic, so to speak. But in this case, you're talking about a long dead actor that you say, we really want to have this particular character in the film. There's really no way to do it without CGI. Because in other cases, there are characters where you just recast them, right? Which also happens, by the way, in Rogue One. And that, I think, to, uh, to splendid effect, right? So this is just a different actress playing a particular character. And you don't, it doesn't really bother you. In fact, it might take you less out of the moment than had they simply just recast um, Peter Cushing. And there's obvious reasons why they go through, why they go, why they go into the trouble of doing it. Um, Cushing played a larger role in the film. Um, it just would have been something maybe that for whatever reason didn't appeal to them just to recast it. So now you have this question. I think there's an ethical question that comes up. Should you recast dead actors and let them stay dead? Is it somehow disrespectful? I, it's, it's not as if uh, Mr. Cushing gave permission for the use of his likeness in this way, uh, presumably. Um, and so there's an ethical question there. But let's look at some of let's look at some of the merits of what's happening here. Um, for me in watching it, I was pretty excited because also being a Star Trek fan, I recognize the fact that there is always this problem of Lieutenant Commander Data, who's an android. And so as a robot, he's not supposed to age, but the actor who's playing him does and has. Right. And so there is a realization, of course, that Brent Spiner had that there was a point where the character just cannot continue on, even if the rest of even if the rest of the films, even if they continued making films, that his character just has to stop because it doesn't make any sense why Data is getting older. And so I realized way back then that a potential solution to this was simply um, to recreate him digitally, to recreate Lieutenant Commander digitally and have Brent Spiner voice him because voices don't generally seem to age quite as quickly as faces do. And you'll notice a difference, um, maybe if the person is much older in terms of voice, but sometimes you can't even really tell that they're um, not, the, not, the, not the age in terms of voice um, that they're supposed to be. So with that being said, for me, as, as a fan of the show, there was this hope that in some way data could continue. And in fact, I started to realize that, oh, well, not only could we kind of recreate the, the visual of the character, but in fact, if the actor was not available to, you in fact could take all of the, <clears throat> all of the voicing that the actor had done, all this dialogue, and basically put it into a computer, so to speak, and then 
have the computer analyze how the person speaks and takes take key words and so on and so forth and then create an algorithm that basically you could just type dialogue into the computer and the computer would spit the dialogue out using the voice and the manner of speech that that actor would have used for that particular character. And then you realize, oh, well, what basically what this means is we could just take every bit of footage that we have of a character, visual and, um, and in terms of dialogue, and plug them into, into a machine and create a series of algorithms that basically just recreate how that person would speak and how that person would use their eyes and how that person would move. In other words, you could just recreate that person, which seems to be kind of the direction that they moved with Grand Moff Tarkin and Peter Cushing. Now, having said that, they actually did cast an actor and basically superimpose Cushing's face over him, which is kind of a first step. That way you still have someone making particular mannerisms and the way that you do it is not just so dissimilar from the way that they created uh, Gollum in, uh, in the Lord of the Rings films, which again is pretty close, but not exact. I mean, you can tell that there's something not quite, I don't want to use the word real, but not quite uh, in the same plane of existence as the other actors who are walking around. So the potential for this is pretty impressive though. And I just wanted all of us to take a moment to be excited slash terrified of it. I mean, you realize that this means that theoretically, we are not that far from being able to create films new Humphrey Bogart films, for instance. And to me, that's a pretty cool idea. It has some definite baggage that comes along with it, um, ethically and artistically, no question there. But the realization that we can break the bonds of mortality in a certain sense, if only for entertainment purposes. And then you start wondering, well, what actors, what actresses, who would we like to bring back from the dead? And in so doing, um, what kinds of implications are there for this? And what would it mean? So for, first of all, it ends up being incredibly exciting. And so in, in, in the case that anyone that um, can't continue to play a role because it has that kind of sci-fi issue that comes along with it, right? Um, a sci-fi issue of, um, of uh, they're not supposed to age, but the character, uh, you know, the character's not supposed to age, but the actor doesn't, etc. Those things end up being solved pretty easily. But what about if I just want to bring hum Humphrey Bogart back from the dead and create a, a whole new Humphrey Bogart film? I mean, the possibility that maybe in 10 years we could do that and people really couldn't tell is fascinating. The realization that right now, old people like myself are watching these films and being pretty, pretty critical of it. Well, young people who are coming into this different kind of world of bringing back dead actors are probably going to have a good deal less of a problem with it than we are. Um, classic example is the number of students I have who are completely fine with Star Wars Episode 1, 2, and 3. Whereas people... Um, from my generation and people who grew up with original Star Wars, they just have tend to are much more likely to have so much of a problem with those films. 
But the people who grew up with episodes one, two, and three, often those are their favorite films of the Star Wars franchise, which seems utterly insane, but nevertheless ends up being true. They don't have the same problem with the visuals. The force means something different to them. They come up with a different nostalgia than people in the generations before them. And so if Hollywood keeps pushing in the direction of being able to use dead actors, there will be a point in time where there's people growing up in that world and it's not weird to them. It's not odd at all. And where it gets interesting then are questions of, should actors have to give permission? Like, should I sign some sort of agreement before I die that upon my death, they can continue to use my likeness and my voice and my mannerisms, so on and so forth, to make films. And that doesn't seem entirely unreasonable. As an actor, I might be inclined to say yes, and I want my estate or uh, you know my descendants to be able to continue to benefit from that in some way. That if you're going to use me and my likeness, which is in fact you know my property in some sense, that um, it should still continue to benefit the uh, the you know my family. And I'm not sure that that would be an unreasonable request for actors to make, that they should be able to have some say in that. Um, but interestingly enough, it also has huge implications for artificial intelligence, or what we like to call artificial intelligence, because if you really think about it, that's pretty offensive. If you're an artificially intelligent something, you would just be, to you, an intelligent something, and there would be nothing artificial about it. The realization becomes that the, the next series of stages move away from you know having to have a human actor that you superimpose a face over and basically moving beyond just a basic series of algorithms that can mimic how uh, this uh, actor uh, walks around. Well, the ideal becomes being able to plug all of the footage that this person has and maybe even footage that has nothing to do with them acting, but everything that we have access to about the actor in general. And what you could do is literally create a computer program that not only will um, spit out dialogue the way that they would or move around the way that they would, but if you really do it right, you could create a computer program that thinks like them. And in my conversation with my friend about it, what she had been pointing out was the fact that, well, part of the, the concern with bringing back, say, someone like Humphrey Bogart is someone like Humphrey Bogart isn't always going to say the dialogue that's plugged in to the script. Um, it, it, this is true of Star Wars, right? So there's dialogue. So uh, Han Solo's famous line in The Empire Strikes Back was not written in the dialogue when he says, um, I know, right? When uh, Leia tells him that she loves him. So ideally, what you want to be able to do is create a program that can act like that, that would think sufficiently like the human actor, that in fact, the... Uh, human actors' tendency to change certain kinds of lines or to rebel against certain kinds of dialogue or to improvise in certain kinds of ways, that that would come out through this computer program as well. And the problem then becomes, if the computer program is thinking like the actor, how is it not the actor? In which ways is it different? Now, obviously, it's digital, it's inside a computer, so on and so forth. And there's a whole fascinating conversation that we can have about that and what that means. But it does lead back to a series of books um, by Tad Williams that I read uh, many, many years ago, where one of the issues that he deals with is, is an issue of immortality. And the realization that 
bodies as we have them, it's pretty much impossible to, um, to live forever. And that one possible solution to our mortality is basically to copy ourselves and then plug in a computer program into a uh, into another computer program. Basically, to basically to, to to plug yourself into like an MMORPG, to plug yourself into a computer generated reality like World of Warcraft or Star Wars Galaxies or something like that. And so you take your exact likeness, but you also scan everything about your brain. You take everything about the way that you think and you act and you feel. All of that. You take you scan that and you plug that into the machine. And so now you have a computer program that thinks and acts and feels exactly as you do. Now, of course, there's the problem of if you're still alive, now you have a computer program that thinks and acts and feels exactly like you do inside the virtual reality. You're outside of that reality. And now you're having two different experiences. So you're not the same person. But if you die exactly as basically, almost as if your consciousness is being uploaded, your way of thinking, acting, and feeling is being uploaded, well, isn't that a kind of immortality? And so with that idea becomes a question of, are we taking first steps towards that vision that Tad Williams had many, many years ago in, um, in writing his own series of books? And I think, I think the answer might be yes. And really the, the question that I have for all of you is, does that count? Is that immortality? Are we in fact actually working towards bringing not just Grand Moff Tarkin back from the dead, but is there a sense in which we're working on bringing Peter Cushing back from the dead? And is is this an option that I should take? If um, you know, in my advanced age, if it's if you know stem cell therapy and blood replacement therapy and you know uh, teleomere length therapy is insufficient to make me immortal, should I take the option of having my consciousness downloaded? And plugged into a machine. And before you say no, that's not the same, Nick. You're not you're not uploading your consciousness in so doing. Keep in mind that we that's exactly how we think about moving photos, movies, and computer files from one machine to another. Well, that's not how we think about it, but that's what we do. In other words, if, let's say you have a photo on your computer and you want to move it off of this computer onto a new computer. Well, we think we're moving that file. We're not. What's happening is, is we're taking all of this information over here and we're telling the other computer, here's how you create that photo. So we take that information and then we use that same basic blueprint so of information so that the computer will recreate the image over here and then we delete it. And every, in other words, every time even on a single computer, when you move a file from one folder to another, basically what's happening is, is you're taking that information and you're deleting it. But before you're deleting it, you copy it so that you can recreate it over here. But at the end, at the end of the day, what you're doing is deleting one thing so that you can re recreate it somewhere else. So would it not be dissimilar if I could do something like take a scan of my brain, the way my synapses work, all of that, and then when I'm deleted upon my death, simply have a computer have basically copy move that information over. Is that me? Am I now immortal? Do I exist in that machine or did I die there? There's a whole lot of issues that come out of this that are that are worth talking about. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about them. So um, with that, 
I'll leave you. I hope you have a wonderful week.